we'll talk about fathers for Father's Day and God as our father and things like that. Um, but as we get somewhat normal, whatever that is anymore, uh, we will, uh, we're talking about Christian growth. And we started with um, looking at, uh, basically it came out of Campus Crusade, which is crew now, uh, is what they call themselves. But uh, years ago they had a model for Christian growth, and we've kind of been taking some of that and walking through it, and then we'll look at some other models down the line as well. But um, their model looks something like this. Uh, it talks about the relationship between God and the idea of us as believers. And it talks about a vertical relationship with God in which we spend time with prayer and Bible study. And prayer is us talking to God, Bible reading and Bible study is God speaking to us. And we talked about the ways that God speaks to us through circumstances and people and his word and the Holy Spirit and, and those kinds of things. And um, we talked about how important that vertical relationship is. And this morning we want to look at one aspect of the horizontal relationship, which is the relationship to people in this world. Um, one is to believers and the other is to the world as a whole. So uh, we want to talk this morning about this idea of fellowship, and it works out really well being that we're all heading, uh, or many of us are heading over to Shrams uh, later this afternoon. And so I want to talk about this idea of fellowship because I think it is so important. Our, our church is called Holly Springs Bible Fellowship. Um, we purposely did not call it church because we wanted it to be about fellowship. And so that is a cornerstone of who we are as a church. So if you look at our calendar, if you would look at our church schedule as a whole, one of the things you will notice that we do a lot of is fellowship. Um, we try to, as much as possible, get outside of this building, and there's a reason for that. Um, and what I'm going to ask you to do this morning is to even take it a step further than just that. So uh, we're going to look at, uh, years ago we went through a, a Rick Warren's deal on the purpose-driven uh, life and the purpose-driven concepts, and, and one of them was fellowship. And so um, we're going to kind of re review some of that and, and add some more to it as we go today. But I want to talk about different levels, steps, whatever you want to call it, regarding fellowship and uh, regarding Christian life and Christian growth. Fellowship is a very important part of that. Um, at, at the beginning, when you are looking to join an organization or when you're looking at Christianity or those kinds of things, you're kind of in the exploratory phase of it. You're kind of walking, you know, some of you, this is your church, some of you this isn't. You're here this morning maybe and you're just kind of checking stuff out. You're kind of sitting back and kind of observing and and, and looking at the kinds of things. And, and that, that's a stage we kind of all go through. Um, you know, when I first came here, uh, wow, uh, my first Sunday was like 22 years ago this Sunday, I think. Now that I think about it, this Sunday or last Sunday. Uh, it, was the first, it was one of the first weekends in June, 1992. So, and then, you know, that's in reg regular years. In pastor years, that's like, 200. Uh, you know, uh, you know, most pastors, you know, four years, they're out. Uh, so it's a long, it's a long time. Um, and we love it. But the first time, you know, the bottom line was I was checking you guys out. You were checking me out. I didn't know if I wanted to be a part of this thing. And you didn't know if you wanted a pastor. Um, and, and we just all weren't sure. And it was kind of one of those exploratory things where everybody's just kind of checking out what, where, where everybody is. And that, that's a step. And the fact that you're here this morning, we're, for whatever reason, I don't care, you know, somebody brought you or you're going out to eat afterwards or somebody said, you know, 
if you, you can come fishing with us, but you've got to come to church first. I don't care really why you're here. I'm glad you're here, all right? Um, I'm glad you're here, all right? Uh, we're thrilled to have you. And, 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 and that's a part, that's a step in, in, in learning fellowship or, or of, of fellowship or growth. But the, the real step that somebody takes is when they choose to belong to something. Um, and that's a big step. That's a big step when you, you choose to become a Christian. Um, let's make sure that we understand it's a choice you make. It's not something that happens to you. It's not something that, okay, you were born into a Christian home, so you're a Christian. Or you, you went to a certain church and they baptized you, so now you're, you're a Christian. Or you, you, you come every Sunday, so that makes you a Christian. Um, you know, I, I pull into my garage every day, but that doesn't make me a car, right? Um, I mean, you know, I mean, I, it, just because you come doesn't, that's the way it works. It's, it's a choice that you have to make. You have to choose to be a part of Christianity. You, have to be a, you, you make a choice to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And it's important because so many times we, we, we don't acknowledge that fact, but it is something that you and I choose. And it is an important choice. Um, Ephesians says it this way. Uh, listen to what Paul said uh, when he addresses it in Ephesians. Um, you guys. Are we good? Guys? You? You? Aha! Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. And this is a very important phrase but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. You are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief's cornerstone. He uses this analogy of a building, and he says, you need to understand, when you become a believer, when you become a, a, a child of God, you are, you are no longer an outsider, you are now an insider. You are now part of it inside. You are part of, and he used the analogy of a building. You're part of the structure of this thing called God's family, God's church, if you will. And he talks about this concept. He says, you're, you're now fellow citizens. You're together with it. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And Christ is the corner of the whole thing. It ties, we talked about this last week. It ties us all the way back to Paul and Moses and all of these people who were followers of God, who were followers of Jesus Christ. Um, and it's important. You have to make the choice to be a part of God's family. Um, God offers that to anyone who wants to be a part of it. He's not, doesn't make you jump through a bunch of hoops, but he desires for each of us to be a part um, of his family. And so there are many of you that, I, I would say probably most of you here have made that choice. You, you put your faith and trust in Christ, you're, you're depending on Christ for your salvation, and you've made that first step. And that's great. But there's more to fellowship. There's more to Christian growth than simply salvation. Otherwise, if you'll think about it for a minute, if the whole purpose of Jesus coming to this earth was just to get us to heaven, then I think this is the way God would have made it. I put my faith and trust in Christ. I die. I go to heaven. There's no reason to, 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 to struggle as a Christian. There's no reason to deal with sin. There's no reason to... But, but God said, no, no, I've got a bigger purpose for you than that. Salvation is not just about eternal life in quantity, 
but eternal life and quality. I want you to experience life as I intended life to be experienced. Just like when I put Adam and Eve in that garden and said, this is life, perfect life. This is what life is supposed to be like on this planet. God says, you know what? I'm going to do the same thing for you. I'm going to show you what it's like to have eternal life in, in quality. A life where you can look back at the end of the day and go, you know what? This has been a great day. A life, a life where you can look back and say, you know what? What a privilege to enjoy a day like this. See, that's the way. Jesus said this way. I am come, not that you would have life, but that you would have life abundantly. And too many of us adopt this philosophy of we get to the end of the day and we're like, we got through it. <clears throat> that's not the kind of life Jesus wants you and I to have. And so one of the aspects of life, and this is one we're going to talk about, to make it rich and full, is the idea of fellowship. So it's great that you have put your faith and trust in Christ, and you made that decision to connect that way, but there's another aspect of it, and this is at the root of the idea of fellowship. And that is, you have to make another choice, you have to make another step, if you will, to share your life with somebody else, with the people around you. You see, I'm going to say it this way. There's a head decision to put my faith and trust in Christ. There's a heart decision now to open up my life to other people. And that gets scary. Because you see, that's where I think a lot of us really struggle, is in that idea of, of sharing, of understanding what it's like to share your life with other people. Uh, let me go to uh, Acts, listen to Acts 2. By the way, this is, a, this is one of the key verses this church was founded on. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Those four things are essential to who we are and what we do. Um, Teaching, what I'm doing now. Fellowship, what we're going to do a little bit later at Shrams. Breaking of bread, communion, what we're going to do in a, in, in a little bit here. And to prayer, what we just did. We make that essential to what, what we do in a service on a Sunday morning. This is a key verse for us. And he says, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions of good, they gave to anyone as had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere heart, praising God and joined the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily as those, those who were being saved. This is the early church. This is what it looked like. They spent a lot of time together. And notice what it says. It, it, it says, you know, a lot of people look at this and go, that sounds like communism to me. I mean, selling everything, and you know, that's like, like a commune thing and a cult kind of thing. And a, let me help you understand it, okay? Um, Chad, Chad's here, okay. All right, um, I'm going to use Chad and Peyton. Peyton's hiding back in the sound room running and stuff. But I'm going to use these two guys as an illustration, okay? Chad's got a business, okay? So Chad's got a business. Now, for the sake of illustration only, Candace, Chad is a pagan, okay? All right? <laughs> <laughs> and you're a pagan too, all right? So you guys are pagans together, all right? And you're raising your children pagan. They have nothing to do with God, okay? You guys, for, uh, you guys work at the, worship at the Temple uh, Diana, okay? We're at Ephesus, we just looked at Ephesus. Temple Diana was a big, big temple there. So you guys are, are 
Dianaites, okay? You worship at the temple of Diana. You're raising your children that way. Chad's got a business. He decides that, you know what, as I get older, I want to turn the business over to Peyton. So he prepares Peyton for it. He works with Peyton for it. He gets Peyton all prepared for it. Peyton turns 21. Chad starts backing away and decides to kind of retire early. So he backs off a little bit. Peyton's kind of, kind of running the show. Chad just gets, shows up every once in a while and meddles in it and then gets out. And Peyton's taking over the business and everything's going great. Peyton comes to church one day here in Holly Springs. And Peyton puts his faith and trust in Christ. And Peyton comes back to mom and dad and says, guess what? I'm now a Christian. I want to be a Christ follower. I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I don't want to do the Diana thing anymore. And Chad and Candace become furious. And Chad and Candace say, you're no longer our son. And dad says, you know what? You're no longer part of the business. You don't have a job anymore. You are out on your own. If you decide to dishonor us in that way and jump to another religion, we're done with you. We want nothing to do with you. We don't want anything to do with you. You are dead to us. Now, Peyton's a new Christian. What does he do? See, that's what was happening when this passage is written. And these people were facing that because in a few years, Nero was going to come on the scene. It was really going to get bad. And there are guys after him that even got worse. And so they're facing this kind of persecution. So what would happen is, Peyton would then come, and back then, church was every day. They got together every day. Because, see, they'd come together every day and say, hey, how was your day? How was your day? How was your day? How was your day? And, and, and Peyton would come in, and they, he'd be all depressed. They'd say, hey, Peyton, you know, hey, how you, how you doing? You know, well, my dad kicked me out of the house. My mom wants nothing to do with me, and I don't have a job. And I have a place to live, so I'm sleeping on the street tonight. And the church family, the group of believers said, oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I got an extra room at my place. You can stay at my place. And you know what? We'll feed you. And the guy goes, hey, you know what? Look, I've been wanting to hire another guy at the shop. You can come work for me. I'll take care of you. And they would pitch in, and they would continually do this over and over. And they would share their lives that way. And the church started getting bigger and bigger and more solid and more solid and more solid. And it continued to grow that way because... When you decided to follow Jesus Christ, it cost you something. And by the way, historically, the church does very, very well until Rome one day decides that Christianity is now an official religion. And it now has the stamp of Rome, and it's okay to be a Christian, and it's popular to be a Christian. And the church goes from being really strong and growing to tanked. See, it didn't mean anything anymore. And so... This became very, very important. And what they would have to do is they would have to share with one another. And, and, and I want to say this is so essential to Christian growth. It's great that you're connected. But until you start opening up your heart to other people, you're going to miss something. You're going to miss something. Until you start opening your home to other people. See, we've gotten away from that. Remember the old days? I think the two, two of the worst things that happened in our culture are garage doors, or garages, first of all. Because in the old days, nobody had a garage. Now, I mean, you know, they advertise houses. Three-car garage, four-car garage. You know, it's how big a garage do you have. 
In the old days, there were no garages. So you know what? When you drove by, how did you know if somebody was home? Cars parked out front. So then we put garages in. Then we did, and, and, even, and even then, then we went to automatic garage door openers, which I love mine. I have it even on my outbuildings. I love it. Because um, I can just push a button and drive right on in and push a button and it closes right behind me. And nobody has to know if I'm home or not. And then, what happened in America? We went to porches. You remember porches? And what did you do on your porch? I remember going to my grandmother's. I remember, Hallsville, Kentucky. Lived out in the boonies in Hallsville, Kentucky. My grandmother, she had a porch swing. You sit out on a porch swing at night. That's what we do. We go to grandma's, you know, sit on a porch swing. I still remember that in my head, that porch swing. We just sit on a porch swing, watch the cars go by. And, and because that was like once an hour. Like, oh, hey, Joe just went by. Um, that, was back by that was back with party lines, okay, where the phone would ring, you know, and everybody would listen. Um, uh, but... But, I mean, you know, what happened? We had these porches, and so you could drive by, and you could see Joe sitting on a porch. Let's stop by and talk to Joe. And then what do we do? We closed them all in. So now what happens is you and I do what? We retreat into our own little world, and we close the world off because we need to decompress. I get it. I do it. I, I, I'm a big proponent of it. Got no problem with it for me. But it's not how I can share with other people. When was the last time you had somebody over to your home? Oh, you don't know. You don't know how horrible it is. I would have to, what? Say it. I'd have to clean house. You know what I've learned a long time ago? People who really care about you could care less what your house looks like. They could care less. They're not there to inspect your house. And some of you are so OCD. You're like, oh, I couldn't have anybody over unless we'd like clean for... Because for, here's the thing. They might experience dust. Walk out on the road. You know? Oh, but my stuff is... Good. My good friends. I mean, we'll go over to their house. There'll be a laundry there. There's times we've gone over and helped fold laundry. Because we're just friends. It's about sharing. It's not about inspecting their house. It's about spending a little bit of time with them outside of the craziness of, of ball games and, and work and this and it's that. And we've got to get back to these people grew because they shared. They shared their homes. They opened up their lives. I mean, that's what we're going to do today. We're all going to go over to Shram's house. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I could really get him in trouble, you know. Go see Dave's shed on the back road. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, see? Don't care. Why? I'm not there to look at their house. I'm not there to see what's clean. I'm there to spend time with them and other people. It's about sharing. Listen, some of you have got to get over it. Because here's the thing. You're missing out on so much. I mean, I have a relationship with some friends that literally we don't even not when we come in. I mean, with Doug and Terry, our relationship is I open the door and we, Doug and I have this thing. And we go, yoo You know, Doug walks in my house, yoo You know, or we'll do, hello. That's Doug's big thing. He'll go, hello. 
And I'll walk in. I'll walk in her house on Friday night. Hello! Means we're here. Uh, why? Because we share. We share. It's the idea of it's the idea of getting back to that. These people grew because they shared. They shared their experiences. I talked about this last week. Some of you older people drive me nuts. Because you think that you don't have anything to offer. And you've got all of this life experience, all of these things that you have carried with you all these life, and you won't invite somebody over to your house to just sit and talk. I have yet to come over to somebody's house and go, you know what, I just don't have anything to talk about. Bad news for you. If you're in your 60s or 70s or 80s, I got a list so long, you, I, you, you'll end up exhausted when we're done. I want to know what your first car was. I want to know where your first house was. I want to know what it was like when they rationed gas. For some of you who are really old, you define that, and you live through the Dust Bowl. I read, I read an article, I read a deal written by a gal who had survived the Dust Bowl down here, just down the road here. And she talked about the dust being so bad that you literally could not see the pattern on the oriental rug because the windows were all closed and everything else, but the dust found its way in everywhere. I want to talk to you. I want to learn about that. I want to share some of that. I want to hear those stories. Oh, no, no, no. Kids aren't interested in that. You'd be amazed. Don't sell these kids short. Don't sell, those, don't sell your grandkids short when you're having those discussions. Um, some of you, you're younger. You need to share what you're going through with some older folks so they can, they can help you put it in perspective. Um, we joke about it. One time I was having, I was having a difficult time with, with my kids, and, 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 and I was struggling. I was struggling. One night, I'll never forget, I sat down at a board meeting, and I said, guys, I said, when the meeting was over, I shared with them. I said, this is what's going on in my life. I need your help. You know what they did? They laughed at me. And they got up and walked out, and they, made, they said one line that changed everything for me. They said, if that's the biggest thing you ever have to deal with with a teenager, you are one of the luckiest guys in all the world. And they walked out. Why? Because I needed somebody to put it in perspective to share with me what it was really all about. But the only reason that night happened was because I was willing to share. And some of you, I get it. Some of you have been burnt by people. I've been burnt by people. I get it. And you're like, you know, the problem with sharing, Pastor, is there's such a risk. Yeah? Most things worth something have a risk involved. Most great experiences have a risk involved. And you go, well, I've, you know, I got burned. I'm never going to let it happen again. I'm never, ever, ever going to get burned again. I'm going to put walls up. I'm going to get people away. I'm going uh, to be safe and secure in my little walled-up world. And you know what? Here's what I'll say to you. You're right. You probably will never get hurt again. But you also never experience life as God intended it to be either. You say, yeah, but you don't understand. The pain was so hard. 
I've been there. But I can also tell you this. The reward is so great. Take that bad experience and put up some, some, some guardrails, some buffers to keep you from getting burnt like that again. I can still be, so I, I kind of have a checklist now. I got burnt by some people, and I said, you know what, okay, here's what I'm going to do. You know, the reason, I had to look back at the relationship and say, you know, okay, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done this, maybe I shouldn't have done that. So I, you know, maybe I need to be more careful in who I share with. And so I came up with some checklist things, and now it's been a long time since I've been burnt by somebody because I've got some of those safeguards in for how much I share. By the way, some of you kids, listen to me. One of the things that's happened in our culture right now is you don't know what it's like to have real relationships. So you think a real relationship is defined by a Facebook friend, and you just share way too much. And you need to understand this. Tweet, Snapchat, whatever you want to call it, Facebook, whatever else, the second you hit send, you have lost all control of it forever. Oh, no, 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 you don't understand, you know, like what, I can do this and it deletes and disintegrates after. Let me tell you something, you're so naive about technology, it's not even funny. Because the second you hit send, it is now public domain. And you need to be really, really careful about what you share and who you share it with. And it's the same thing for us. We need to be careful, but we need to be able to share because it is so essential to Christian growth that you have people you can share with, that you have people that you can learn from, that you have people that you can, you can invest with. And I get that you have to open up your heart to that, and that makes you vulnerable, and that's a risk. I get it. But I also have experienced the other side of that where it is so rich and so rewarding and so fulfilling. Because you see, when you're in that walled-up world, something great happens, you've got nobody to talk to about it. But you're safe. You're not going to get hurt. You know? And I mean, there's time, you know, I share stuff with my wife, but you know what? Here's the thing, okay? My world. When I go to my wife and go, Honey, this new DeWalt cordless thing it's like the most amazing thing. She, she, does, she looks at me and goes, how much does it cost? She can't share that experience with me. But I can call my buddy Doug. Doug, you've got to get one of these things, man. This is so awesome. You've got to see what this thing can do. i got one of those sonic vibrating tool things. <laughs> Phil made me get one. Um <laughs> I was over helping Phil do something, and he goes, you got to see this tool. And I was like, oh, this is great. i got to get me one of these. Um, and then I got one of those, and I can share with Phil. Phil, I got one of these, man. You know, okay, what about this blade? We can do that kind of stuff. We share. That's somebody excited about it, you know? I don't have to worry that Phil's going to run to my wife and go, you know how much you spent on that? <laughs> She's not here today, so I can get away with all kinds of stuff today. <laughs> uh, you know? You know, um, she's in Virginia, so so their dad's 80th birthday. Uh, they're having a celebration today, so it's, it's exciting for her to be able to do that. But we've got to learn to share that way. That's where we take and we share our hearts. And then there's one, more, there's one other step, and I think this is ultimately what you want to get to when it comes to fellowship. Um, and that's the idea of a partnership, where it becomes much bigger than simply sharing, but now it becomes where, and I'm going to say it this way, 
I decide to be connected with my head. I decide to share with my heart, but I decide to partner with my hands. And I now take my hands and do something. We do something together. Uh, the passage is, um, is here in, uh, what did I do, Ephesians or 1 Corinthians? I can't remember which one. Ephesians. We'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind and teaching and cunning craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth and love, we'll grow up unto him. Oh, oh, what happened there, guys? We'll grow up into him that is the head of Christ, for the whole, whom the whole body, fitly joined together by every supporting limit, grows and builds itself up in love as each does its work. It's the idea of taking it one step farther and becoming a partner working together, something that you become passionate about together. And it is so, so important that you go to that final level, if you will, of partnering together with somebody. In the case of a church, it's somebody who comes, it's somebody who gets involved, it's somebody who says, you know what, i got this talent, i got this ability, i got this passion, I'm going to go serve God this way. When we go on a mission field, we go as a group. We partner with our missionaries. We don't believe in the idea of just having a list of 30 missionaries we send $20 a month to. No, we want to know everything that's going on in their lives. We want to get involved in their lives. We want to partner with them. We want to be a team with them. It's not just them on a field somewhere. It's far more than that. Uh, we want to know about their kids. We want to know about those kinds of things. We want to partner with them. In, in, in life, it comes down to this. With, your, with friends, with people that I'm close to, I'm going to use my illustration with Doug in. Doug and I are partners. Doug and I partner on a lot of projects together. Some are his projects, some are my projects, some are our projects. We partner together. So last year I was doing a bathroom. Doug's a tile guy. I said, Doug, help. Doug, one day I got so frustrated I was doing trim work. Doug's a, Doug does, loves doing finished stuff. I hate it. And I was doing finishing. I was trying to do crown molding, and I got so mad. I'd gone through so much wood trying to get this angle right. I finally called Doug, and I said, Doug, I said, you either got to get over here right away, or I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. You know? <laughs> I said, this is it. I said, this is going to do me in, man. And Doug got in his car, drove out there, said, okay, here's the trick. Deet, 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 deet. Help me finish the whole thing out. You know? Um, last year, like I said, I was doing a bathroom. I said, I need you to help me get started on tile. And he came over, got me all started. We all got going on it. Good, that's all I needed him for. He's getting ready to do a project now. I'm on his list. He, in fact, I walked in and we were dealing with contractors. He's having a contractor meeting. He goes, and this is the guy who's going to help me. You know? Um, and so it, it's one of those things where now his projects become my projects. My projects become his projects. We do projects together. That's ultimately where you want to get his fellowship. That's ultimately where you want to get, where our passions are your passions, your passions are our passions. We're all working together as this incredibly tightly knit, formed thing. Now, listen to me, because you know what Satan wants more than anything else? It's the last thing Satan wants. The last thing Satan wants is a church or a group of believers who are all on the same page together. And you need to understand, he will do everything in his power to make sure that never happens. That's why Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But even more so as the day approaches, as things get more and more difficult, we need to spend more and more time together. My challenge to you is this. I'm thrilled that you're here. I'm thrilled that you've come this morning to fellowship and worship and pray and all that. I, I'm thrilled with that. 
But I'm also, I'm also burdened because if that's the extent of your fellowship, it's not going to be enough. Satan works way too hard. It's not going to be enough. You need another believer that you can link up with during the week. You need somebody that you can start sharing stuff with. You need another friend that you can share with. You need to have people over to start sharing your lives together. Why? Because as, as, as if it, first of all, if you haven't figured it out, things are not getting better. In our country, things are not getting better. And the more stuff that keeps coming down the pike, the more important it's going to be that we share our lives with one another. And it's so important that you have somebody that you can call at 2 o'clock in the morning and go, I need your help. I'm going through something really tough here. It's really important that on your way to a hospital to take care of something, you've got somebody that's so close that you can call them and say, I need you to take care of this for me. I would hope that you could flip through anybody in the directory and do that. It's my prayer. That's my desire for a church that that's close. I realize it's probably not realistic because we all have different personalities and some personalities get along better with other personalities and some don't. I get it. Um, but you need somebody. The Christian life was never designed as a solo journey. Ever. When God creates the world and he does all these incredible things, there's only one thing that he says is not good. And that's that man was by himself. Man had God, but it wasn't enough. God said, no, no, no. I need him to have somebody to share all of this with together. And he created a woman. He created this incredible thing called marriage. But the principle, the, the root principle of it is that man wasn't designed to go through the world alone. And we need each other. And the whole purpose of the church, the whole purpose of fellowship with one another is that we build one another up and we encourage one another and we share and we, we carry our own burdens and we carry the burdens of other people and we work together in this thing. So my challenge to you is figure out where you're in that step in that process. I mean, so you wall a lot of people off. You need to open up. And don't go on Facebook and open up. Find, you know, be smart about it. Take that person that God's been working in your life with to make an impact on and maybe start to develop a relationship where it's far more than, than something. You say, how do you find those people? You know how we found them? You know, we found Doug and Terry. They opened their home to us. That's how it started. And if you think I wanted to go, I did not want to go. But that relationship now has survived 20-plus years. 20, I don't know, 27, 28 years. We probably ought to have an anniversary. I don't know. Um... Because you've got to understand, we are an odd mix when you put the four of us in a room together. But I know that we have developed a fellowship, a friendship, a kinship that is at a kind of level that no matter what, I could call and talk to him about anything. And I can truly say, because of you, because of those kinds of relationships that I have, I can truly stand up here this morning and say, I know a little bit about what it's like to live an abundantly full life. 
And I could have never done that if I kept my walls up. So that's my challenge for you this morning, is to really genuinely learn what it is to fellowship. So this afternoon, as we head over to some you're going, well, I didn't have plans. I'm just going to go back home and watch TV. Go over to Shrams and eat at least. And who knows? Who knows what will happen? But I guarantee you it won't happen if you're sitting in front of your TV in your house all walled in. And let's let God use us and work and develop the kind of fellowship here that he designed. So my prayer is that every person here will move a level this year. This summer that you will move someplace. That if you have connected, that if you haven't connected, that you'll connect. If you've connected, you'll start to find somebody you can share life with. If you're sharing life, that you'll take it to that next level of partnership. That you'll really learn what it means to be a family and to be able to say, I have experienced fellowship as God intended it. So if you're an observer, I hope you join the family of God. If you've been hanging back this summer, learn to share. And for those of you who started to share, partner with somebody. Partner with somebody to really serve them or others and watch what God can do with it. Let's pray, Lord. Help us. God, you've designed so much more for us than simply to be able to know we're on our way to heaven. Lord, that's an incredible gift, and it's one that we don't want to minimize. But Lord, you gave us so much more. And Lord, we have the ability to live life here at a different level than most people. But Lord, we don't have to come to the end of a week and say, thank God it's Friday. We can approach every single day with an attitude and an outlook of the fact that, Lord, we get to live another day here. So, Lord, help us. Lord, for some who have shut out people, maybe even shut you out, that, Lord, they'd open their hearts. For others, Lord, who have put their faith and trust in you, but, Lord, they're just, they're, for, they've been burnt too many times, they've been hurt too deeply, and they've decided to be safe. Lord, help them to understand what they, what they could experience if they were willing to risk. And help them to be wise about choosing the people to share with. And Lord, for others who have those incredible kind of relationships, would you help them to take that to a level where they could really partner together to do things together and to accomplish things together, Lord, for your kingdom, for your honor, for your glory. And Lord, when it's all said and done and we gather around your throne together, we thank you that we are your children, and we thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to make us part of your family. And we give you the honor and the glory and the praise, since we ask in your name. Amen.